Pop Health Week is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. Health Innovation Media brings your brand messaging alive via original or value-added, digitally curated content for omni-channel distribution and engagement. Connect with us at www.popupstudio.productions. Welcome everyone, I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media and the producer and co-host of Pop Health Week. Joining me in the virtual studio is my partner, colleague, and lead co-host of Pop Health Week, Fred Goldstein, President of Accountable Health, LLC. On today's show, our guest is Tim Suther, Senior Vice President for Data Solutions at Change Healthcare. Change Healthcare is a leading independent healthcare technology company focused on insights, innovation, and accelerating the transformation of the U.S. healthcare system. Tim has a wide portfolio and is responsible for the overall management, direction, and leadership to the data solutions business, including its focus on inspiring a better healthcare system through the effective and responsible use of data and analytics. So, Fred, over to you. Help us get to know Tim's work at Change Healthcare. Thanks so much, Greg. And Tim, welcome to Pop Health Week. Fred, uh, good to talk to you again. Happy Wednesday. And thanks so much for joining us on the show. Uh, we had a really fascinating discussion prepping for this thing, so I'm very excited for the opportunity to talk with you. Why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction of yourself and Change Health? Well, Fred, it's always a pleasure to uh, to talk with you, and uh, even more so to uh, to talk about Change Healthcare and uh, what we're what we're doing. So, Change Healthcare is arguably one of the most connected companies in healthcare in the United States. Uh, we are the backbone uh, for virtually every hospital, every doctor, every pharmacy, every dentist, every health plan uh, in America. Uh, we play a critical role in uh, routing uh, financial and administrative uh, you know, transactions. And we like to think of ourselves as a, a transformative uh, platform company. And we do all of this so that we can enable better customer experiences. Uh, after all, we do this all for, for patients. Uh, we should work harder on making that experience uh, more meaningful and valuable to them. Uh, we want to ensure efficient and accurate uh, financial transactions. And we want to help our customers uh, optimize uh, decision making. All of that to uh, help improve outcomes and, uh, and help economics. Uh, so a little bit about me. I was going to answer the uh, the other part of the uh, the question. So I've been with Change Healthcare about uh, three and a half years. Most of my uh, professional life has been in the data technology and analytics space, largely in uh, financial services and uh, advertising. I was an entrepreneur twice. I worked for the largest bank in the United States, uh, one of the largest consumer information companies, and all of that was focused on putting data to use to do better advertising, to help people buy yet another tube of toothpaste and, and at uh, financial services to uh, help people have uh, yet another credit card. And like all of us, I grew increasingly concerned about the state of healthcare in, uh, in America. You know, we, we spend twice per capita any other developed country. We rank number 43 in the world in life expectancy. And I had the uh, silly idea that we might be able to take what works in data and analytics and other industries and apply it to healthcare. And that, in short, is uh, what my, uh, my, my remit is uh, here at, uh, at Change Healthcare. It's interesting because one of the things that we, we keep talking about is, is bringing in these techniques, tools, et cetera, from other industries and bring them into healthcare, hoping that we can ultimately fix healthcare. How have you seen that functioning? Are you beginning to see the impact of some of those in the work you do? Well, the biggest idea is what the industry calls social determinants of health. 
it's uh, it's widely reported that up to 80% of our health and wellness are affected by social determinants of health. You know, sometimes that's the circumstances of life. Sometimes that's, uh, you know, healthy or non-healthy behaviors. They all have a an impact on our relative health and well-beings. And, and correspondingly, they have an impact on the economics and outcomes in healthcare. So uh, sadly, though, uh, the healthcare system organically does not do a great job of collecting that, that information. So I saw it as an opportunity to take what I'd learned in the advertising and financial services world, this deep understanding of people, their geodemographics, their attitudes to integrate it with the clinical and claims information that exists naturally in healthcare. And we've spent a good portion of the last year uh, working on the engineering to make that uh, scalable. Yeah, and, and what you talk about is sort of a natural for the businesses outside of healthcare to have been looking at this data, gathering it to help better drive consumers to purchase things or stuff like that. And so you're taking it now, and I know in the fall you launched this new social determinants of health analytics platform. Tell us a little bit about that and what it does. So again, our the uh, the objective was to resolve an underlying data gap. You know, so if so much of our healthcare, uh, our health and wellness is determined by social determinants of health, you have to ask yourself, well, why? Why isn't it naturally available in the uh, in the healthcare system? And I don't know that there's a, a great answer to that, other than. There's, uh, you know, uh, differing priorities that exist in uh, providers and, and payers, but all the same, we wanted to correct that. So there are two things that we were focused on doing. One was reliably connecting what we see naturally every day in the healthcare system, which is claims, with the major social determinants of health. So we we now have about 117 million Americans where we can connect their descriptive attributes, so their ethnicity, their income, their wealth, uh, their health literacy, housing vulnerabilities, transportation, food vulnerabilities, the major social determinants of health, we can connect those to the claims that are naturally flowing through our system every day. So it gives us this rich mosaic of connecting what happens in the doctor's office with the circumstances of life. So that was the half the major innovation. The other half is making sure that its use is always on side with HIPAA, which is one of the barriers that you face. So there are a lot of constituents that are interested in this. Your clinician should know it, your health plan should know it, but those doing research and trying to determine the effectiveness of new therapies and interventions, they too should know it. And those in particular uh, have challenges of making sure that de-identified information about patients stays that way. Because when you start to connect uh, de-identified uh, clinical information or claims information with the social determinants of health, you mathematically are likely to increase the odds of re-identification. And that brings with it civil and criminal penalties. And uh, you know that has had really a, a depressing impact on those who want to understand the variances in, uh, in health outcomes. Mm -hmm. So you've sort of set it up so that the backside essentially allows for that data to link up without being able to identify it. How do you see it? How are you pushing that data out to providers? I know there are three different ways you can use that data. And then what are they doing with it? Well, two out of the three, uh, the data never leaves change healthcare, you know, mm -hmm. because when you're talking about information that is 
highly sensitive. So uh, a diagnosis or care that's been rendered and you're adding social determinants to it, you know, you need to treat that information with, with care. So two of the three services, it never leaves change healthcare. Uh, the first one is something that we call a uh, social determinants of health portrait. So any payer, any provider can identify a particular population cohort and we will go do the analysis to determine which social determinant of health attribute matters most for that population. So we'll tell them uh, which attribute uh, drives more emergency room visits, more inpatient uh, admissions or uh, outpatient visits. It's a great way for payers and providers to look amongst a sea of alternatives to prioritize which attribute matters for the population that they're most concerned with. So in that circumstance, it's just a, a report that we do that helps an organization prioritize. And this, go ahead. And when you think about that, it's really a, a factor that's associated with that population seeing, say, for example, higher ER visits. So we're seeing, well, it's a transportation in this population that seems to be the most associated with that. And then the providers can then take that information and use it to implement programs up against it. Is that essential? Yeah, that's right. So as, so as an example, uh, those that have uh, low economic stability, uh, they're more likely than average to visit the emergency room and uh, to be hospitalized. If you have high economic stability, you're more likely to engage with outpatient care. Uh, it's well reported that those mm -hmm. that are of color are more likely to be diagnosed with COVID and then ultimately to have a bad outcome. So understanding those variances by particular population segments allows both provider and payer to you know, implement programs that are targeted that attribute as opposed to trying to deal with uh, social determinants on this abstract you know, conceptual level. Right. And then I guess the next step would be to take that, say we have this population, we're going to focus on, as you said, maybe it's transportation or food or one of those issues. And then it's determined at an individual level within that population by the provider group. Okay. Now we know that Fred Goldstein is actually has one of these issues and we're going to go work on Fred's transportation or something like that. That's right. Uh, you can use it if you're a health system or a provider to help prioritize what you might do with community-based programs. If you have an accountable care organization arm to you, um, now it's really starting to affect uh, reimbursement. So you can identify steps that uh, you can take to you know better manage that. Uh, if you're a, a health plan, you can incorporate that into your member uh, engagement programs. Uh, if you're a life sciences company, you can account for that in your adherence uh, outreach program. So the list is uh, is pretty uh, pretty endless. Right, and then the second way this data is is given out to providers or payers. Uh, the second one is uh, for the the data scientists in the world who mm -hmm. want to understand a patient journey or uh, a member journey. If you're a, a health plan, and the idea there is to model the progression of patients, diseases, members, which leading organizations are doing already, but in this way, adding the uh, social determinant of health dimension to it. So it's not just a, a simple report, but rather uh, something that a health system can do to make a prediction about whether unfortunate uh, circumstances are likely to befell uh, a, a patient in the future, whether if you're a health plan, understanding whether the member journey is uh, steering uh, off track, uh, life sciences company, whether or not there's a, uh, you know, an adherence issue. And they do all these things today, 
but they largely do them based on clinical information. And what we're trying to do here is to add the dimension of what is going on in the rest of their life, which is you know 99% of their life, and incorporating that into the decisions that all these organizations are already making you know every day. Yeah, it's essentially a greater way to risk stratify that population. You know, you think back to the day when we would say, okay, one or more hospitalizations and two or more ER visits in the last 12 months, and that's my high-risk category. You know, and those were the simple days, and then you added more data. So now you bring in these social determinants of health, which really are those underlying fundamental drivers, allowing people to then better segment their population and understand what that go-forward risk is. Yeah, we're trying to unpack the average. You know, it's said if you have a, a foot in uh, boiling water and the other foot in a bucket of ice, on average, you're perfectly comfortable. And in a way, that's how outcomes are being measured too. They just are not breaking down the variances of the circumstances of life. And understanding those uh, variances are really key to helping patients have better outcomes and for all of us to improving the economics of healthcare uh, being delivered in this country. Uh huh. And then the third way you're producing these information? The final area is for those organizations that have gaps in their operational flow, so a health system or a health plan, and you actually want the social determinants of health made available in your workflow, well, we'll do that too. So we've done the hard work of integrating at a individual level. And if you'd like to, as a health system, have that information available in uh, your EMR system, fantastic. Uh, if you want to do it as a payer in your care management system, no problem. We'll help supply the information and support you in the integration of that information so that you too, when you're interacting with uh, a patient or a member, you actually have uh, the external information uh, available, uh, available to you. Well, that's really fantastic because I know a lot of people have been saying, yeah, we really want this data. We, we recognize the value of this data, but how do we get it? Where do we get it? So putting that together in one shop and being able to, as you say, because you're already in healthcare, integrated into their EMR or other systems is really a fantastic way that, to go. That, and it's actually hard to contract with healthcare. So one of the virtues of change healthcare being so interconnected with payers and providers and pharmacies all across America as we already have contractual relationships. So, you know, adding yet another service to what we provide to these organizations already is much easier, you know, given, uh, uh, given that we have these contractual uh, relationships already in place. And if you're just tuning in to Pop Health Week, our guest is Tim Suther, Senior Vice President for Data Solutions at Change Healthcare. Change Healthcare is a leading independent healthcare technology company focused on insights, innovation, and accelerating the transformation of the U.S. healthcare system. And given that you launched it last fall, I believe it was, how are you seeing that being used? Are there some examples you can discuss or things, or is it still too early? Well, we have dozens of uh, academic medical researchers across the country who are exploring the intersection of social determinants and uh, uh, COVID diagnoses. You know, as uh, we talked about uh, last time, we felt it was really important that, you know, the smartest medical data scientists in America have access to up-to-date information on the, on the state of the, of, uh, the pandemic. And, and every day, you know, we get new tests, new diagnosis, new inpatient admissions, new uh, discharges, and we've intersected that with social determinants of health. And these, these folks are, uh, they're not bored and they are extremely creative. So they are examining by various disease states. They are looking at uh, 
various uh, interventions uh, as to whether or not they work. They are looking at how uh, care is uh, is shifting, you know, from uh, care settings to virtual care, that that type of thing. So a good number of these academic medical uh, centers have uh, incorporated social determinants uh, into the uh, the work that they're doing, and and it touches everything. There's, I don't know, probably 150 ish you know, different uh, research projects that are, you know, presently underway. Some of them have uh, have been published. The other thing that's important is we are uh, working with a, a very major health system to explore health disparities across, you know, the United States. And in particular, uh, looking at the role of ethnicity into health outcomes, uh, both in terms of cost and in uh, utilization. And, um, you know, later on this year, we uh, we intend on uh, releasing not just the identification of the disparities, but as importantly, the identification of interventions that are meant to do something about that. So we're we're very very excited about the uh, the possibilities of of that becoming uh, you know standard of care in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting because we've looked at this issue and it's we we know it's out there. COVID obviously highlighted it to an incredible extent. Greg and I focused on on a number of shows around health disparities, et cetera, associated with COVID and and uh, obviously brought to the fore by this uh, disease and the pandemic. And but but what you said is really fascinating because at the end of the day, you want to measure true outcomes. We, we know there are issues. So did the programs that were put in place actually show improvements and whether that's based on, as you talked about, clinical examples, maybe looking at some treatment approaches or social determinants of health targeting and things like that, I think are all gonna create amazing opportunities for us to try to fix the healthcare system. So hats off to doing that. It's really a great uh, example of how we could successfully use data to make a difference. And, and we're trying to take the friction out of doing it. Um, so, uh, not being having been around healthcare all my life, but being quite knowledgeable of data and analytics, I never quite understood why is it that this dimension that has such an outsized impact on our health and wellness why why hasn't it been incorporated in decision making in healthcare? And the answer is it's just been too hard. You know, whether it be technology, whether it be operational, whether it be the regulatory environment. So working for a technology company that understands uh, governance and has a lot of data scientists at our disposal. You know, we spent a good portion of uh, the last year engineering uh, solutions to this. So uh, we recognize that it's uh, hard. And what, we were, what we're trying to do is to help organizations prioritize amongst what seems like an endless list of uh, potential things that you could incorporate in terms of social determinants, to prioritize them, have a, an environment that's available for those that want to do some advanced math, and then make it easier to incorporate the results in their operational workflow so that all this hard work that we're all doing shows up at the point that matters. You know, the moment of truth is that interaction between clinician and, and patient. And that's what we're, we're trying to, you know, trying to inform and, and support. And providers have been under really a huge, I don't want to use the word assault, but it's been a major change as the system tries to change and move to value-based care. And then you throw on top of it integration of IT platforms, and then you throw on top of it social determinants of health. 
how is the response you're getting from the provider community? I, I get a sense the payer community, and particularly one of your surveys I saw, is is further along in that move to value-based care and social terms of health. Are providers beginning to say, yeah, we want this and need it, or is it still a little bit early from your sense? I think it varies anytime that you're talking about the diversity of you know providers, health system versus uh, primary care versus uh, you know virtual care. So I think it you know does does vary. But what excites me is the work that we're doing with this uh, major health system. They are absolutely on the forefront of looking to transform the way that healthcare is uh, is delivered. I mean, it, different people experience uh, healthcare in in different ways. And there is a substantial portion of in the population here in America that is does not have the same uh, experience as uh, you and I do. And we should do something uh, about that. And doing something about that first means, you know, getting clarity on the magnitude of the problem. And that problem is going to vary by disease state. It's going to vary by geography, both parts of the country and whether you're urban or rural or uh, suburban. So it isn't like there's an easy button here, you know, where we just have one answer and magically, you know, everyone gets, you know, much improved healthcare. It's just going to vary. And what we're trying to do is to make it easier uh, to do that. So I, uh, I would project that when uh, the results of this work with this major health system becomes uh, public uh, later on this year, I think uh, a whole lot of providers are going to get religion you know, related to this. That's, that's really good to hear. I think about what you said, and to get back to that point, all healthcare is local. And, and so even within localities, you have healthcare systems that treat extremely different populations within their community. And so obviously the uh, social determinants of health being targeted by one healthcare system in a community may be different from the other, depending upon which parts of that community they're serving. So until they get a better sense of that, obviously they can't then drive those community-based improvements we're looking for. What most excites you about what, where we're going with this information? The opportunity to help people's lives, you know, it's easy to look at it and say 80% of our uh, health and wellness is affected, is impacted by social determinants. And there's certainly a direct economic cost to that, but that pales into comparison to the suffering that you know individual people have. People can be living longer. People can uh, be having more fruitful lives. And you know if we can use these uh, services to help people you know head off you know worse health outcomes. Wow, I mean, I don't think mm -hmm. it. Uh, I don't think it gets any better than that. Right, and let me ask you: that your your set of data is across all types of payer sources and populations. Is that true? So Medicaid, Medicare, commercial. Uh, we're uh, we do business with Medicaid and Medicare, but the the uh, the vast majority of the information we have at our disposal comes through commercial settings. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, you know, uh, we see. Uh, claim information on virtually every uh, commercially insured person in the United States, at least one claim, at least that's uh, what our analysis in uh, 2020 in, um, indicates. And, you know, what we do with those that want to do research for access vulnerabilities. So I want to project what the healthcare experience might be for Medicaid or Medicare. We have enough 
of that data. So millions of people who have claims that are Medicare or Medicaid, we have enough of that to be able to normalize to any uh, population that an interested uh, researcher would uh, would like to explore. Right, so they could take that and then apply it to, to that because obviously, you know, we know that big social disparities, particularly in the Medicaid population, that we've been working on for a long time, and, and I, I see a lot of companies now targeting that. So getting that unique information would obviously be a benefit to those groups, whether they're payers or providers in that space. Right, and you know we have information on people, right? So mm -hmm. we have information on those that have that we've seen a claim uh, on where we have rights to de-identify, but we also have information on you know virtually every person in America. Uh, where we have, because that's what geodemographic information is. So having the ability to link that up with the claims experience allows us to understand the makeup of the health population in any geography in the, in the United States, whether or not they're receiving care from Change Healthcare. Mm -hmm. And from a technical perspective, did you go out and just begin to pull these various data sets together to create that overall model? Well, it's uh, one of the uh, the great benefits of having spent a lot of time in financial services and advertising. I know I know the sources of data. I know uh, what to uh, what to look for. I know processes that are best in class for ensuring accuracy, uh, ensuring that they remain uh, updated. So, we evaluated lots of uh, of different uh, uh, providers, and we did uh, we did select one. But the hard part of all this is not locating the data. That, that actually is, is relatively easy. The hard part is integrating it uh, because mm -hmm. in healthcare, healthcare is you know, highly fragmented in its delivery. So first of all, making sure that you know, this Tim Soother is the same as that Tim Soother is that, you know, th that just gets uh, referred to in different ways in healthcare. So that has to be normalized. And then to connect it with information from other sources, it it, it took us a good portion of the of a year uh, to uh, to do that, and, and we knew what we were doing. And that's uh, just a function of the difficulty of resolving uh, identity across uh, uh, different sources. So I'd like that to uh, I'd like to think that's one of the uh, the core strengths of uh, Change Healthcare: the ability to integrate data and to provision it in a way that is on side with you know the uh, uh, privacy and security regulations that uh, that govern healthcare which are not for the faint of heart no obviously not i mean you you get this stuff wrong in healthcare and we know what the problems can be in the obviously right. security privacy you know i think to myself even wow so I've seen my physician, a few others this last year. I'm sure I'm in your data set, which actually, if it's being used, uh, you know, in the ways you're talking about it, de-identified, et cetera, is, is really for the good and, and uh, something that we need to keep moving forward on. Because at the end of the day, we've got to, we, we know now what these underlying problems are. It, it's not that we need a whole lot more studies of identifying what the problems are. It's, it's a, taking those problems, applying them in the right community, and then going ahead and implementing these various programs to uh, see if we actually make a difference and measure those results through systems like yours yeah. at the end, because you'll have the data, excuse me, you'll have the data on the backside of this, um, which will show whether or not progress was made, I assume. Yeah, uh, so, uh, you know, if you're covered by commercial insurance, odds are we, we do have claims on you, but there'd be no way for me to tell right. you because, you know, we go through a process that de-identifies and it's a, 
it's a one-way hash. So once it gets hashed, there's there's no way for me to know who it is. And the reason why we do that is there are some problems in healthcare that require data to be aggregated together. I mean, for example, you can't do research, you can't do safety, you you can't do comparative effectiveness unless you amass data together because data about you is an anecdote. Mm-hmm. You know, data about all of us Now that's research, that's, you know, comparative effectiveness. And that's what our country needs if in fact we are going to rigorously improve the outcomes for all of us and to, you know, to get more mileage out of the money that we we spend on on healthcare. And that's kind of what my core remit is, is, you know, looking through the data, looking for opportunities to, you know, to help uh, improve outcomes in uh, healthcare economics. Well, fantastic. It's been great having you on the show today, Tim, and really looking forward to that report coming out from that healthcare system you referenced. So thanks so much for joining us on Pop Health Week. Fred, it's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. I really enjoyed it and all my best to, uh, to you and yours. Thank you so much. And back to you, Greg. And thank you, Fred. That is the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank Tim Suther, Senior Vice President for Data Solutions at Change Healthcare, for his time and many insights today. For more information on Tim's work at Change Healthcare, go to www.changehealthcare.com or follow them on Twitter via at change underscore HC and Tim at at Tim Suther. That's T-I-M-S-U. P-H-E-R. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.